0: Good evening and welcome to Italian Impact Weekly. I'm your co host Steve Stefano Mancini.
1: And I'm Claudio Relsano. We appreciate you tuning in. Joe, it's that, your was, turn. that was that was about the quickest intro <laughs> we've ever done. So
0: well and thank you all very much for tuning in. I'm uh, afraid
1: we're gonna go off the air so I'm trying to get it in I know the <laughs> before <laughs> we, we have another tech technical issues. glitch.
0: Yes, because we know, quote, this is live. Hell yeah. Well, if you're on a podcast, you know it's not live. But if you're listening on the radio, if you're listening on the radio, watch out for that truck in front of you. It's live, (laughs) quote, quote. Um, No, we've got a good show tonight. But, Claudia, before we jump into our show, I always feel remiss that I do not ask you how your weekend was because I haven't talked to you in a few days.
1: Yeah, well, uh, we lost a doubleheader to Robert Morris Sunday, which I wasn't too pleased about. That's why my voice isn't uh, where it should be. But um, other than that, you know. Where everything's good, everything's. You
0: good. know, I told you I might be getting back into the coaching gig. There is don't. D- 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 well, it, 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 I'm gonna. T- you know what? It's funny you say Unless that. Unless you we, have horses, nah, nah, I got
1: horses, but uh. no.
0: I, I'll tell you what though, because uh, I don't know what I'm getting into. But I talked to one of the players this weekend, and they're like, "Yeah, we, we need we need some coaching, coach." And I'm like, "Well, I mean, you know, it's been a few years since I've coached hockey, but uh, but but I'm very torn because part of me. I miss it. It's a passion. Yeah. I, I want to do it. But on the other hand, I'm like, do I want to? I mean, it's, it's travel. It's like mm-hmm. going to city here, going to city. It's like, do I want to get my weekends up again? And then, you know, a practice every week. You know, I'm like, Ugh. if they asked me right now, I'd probably say, yeah, I, I would probably do it. You know, so it's we, one of those
1: things that you don't have to think about. If you want to do it, you do it. You, you know you yeah, know what I'm trying to say? I do. Yeah. Uh, then you do but, it. But, you know, I, mean, I, I, enjoy, I love it, even though when you lose, it's no fun. That's for sure. Um, but it's
0: story. not about winning or losing, Claudio. No, it's it's about how you play the game.
2: No, no, <laughs> I don't no, think no, so no. either,
0: man. When you're nine years old, but when you're right. in your, you know, yeah, when you're in college hockey or above. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyways, but we got a great guest tonight. Though we've actually got two guests tonight. One is going to be our second guest, Hank Eduardo. He is the bringer of music. He is the guy that does our intro show. So we'll talk about him a little bit later. We interview him. But our first mm-hmm. guest is gonna be a little bit off the beaten path for us. Yes, for the folks listening, he's Italian, we think. We're gonna find that out and confirm that here in a little bit. But uh, he has got a very interesting, if you go out to his website, Howard Mancone, and if you go out to his website, the one thing, and we're gonna talk, I'm gonna taunt him about this, besides the fact he's a physical comedian and juggler, and apparently an entertainer and in the an International Brotherhood of Magicians. Now, if you tell me that there is not a union for everything. I mean, the International Brotherhood of Magicians. What does a strike look like? They disappear from work. I mean, right? There you go. See, see, I can do that, Howard. Before you say hello, I just think the most important thing for folks listening here, the the greatest achievement that Howard might have is the fact that he started breakdancing in the early 80s. And I think when you can bring someone on that was a professional breakdancer from the 80s, you know, this this is all it is. So folks, please welcome our guest, Howard McCone. Howard, how are you? (laughs)
3: <laughs> Fantastic guys. How are you doing today?
0: Living the dream.
3: Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. That, what an intro. <laughs> going back to my days of breakdancing. That's funny. Well, go. we're
0: on the radio, but if I start going boom, psh, boom, boom, could you do favor <laughs> and just like drop down in the living room and start to <laughs> start breakdancing?
3: It would not be the first time, trust me. You I, I tell tell what I do
0: remember, and I, you know, I'm not going to lie. I dabbled. And I repeat dabbled in breakdancing for you know, when it was at its absolute peak, I mean, I remember Claudia was probably listening to Breakin'. Did you have, like, those little jumpsuits? I,
1: I like those. You know, I was telling my wife yesterday, people <laughs> ripped on disco. I like disco. I like the breakdancing music. What I like, I'm going to
0: tell you right now, I like disco, too. Yeah. I still good. listen to rock and roll music, <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm. listening listen to a lot of stuff, I know. Yeah. It's a problem with Breakin'. I mean, it, it is so, it gets, it's the kind of music that gets dated, you know what I mean? Because they were using 80s technology or, or beatbox. Mm-hmm. Howard, back to you, though. So, Howard, please welcome to the show where we go down a very, very strange <laughs> path of breakdancing in the 80s. But Howard.
1: are you Italian? That's the first that's, question. That's always the Steve... first
0: question. Howard, how are you? buddy? Where, are you Italian? And if so, where are you from?
3: So I am technically half Italian. My father was full-blooded Italian. He was Brutus and Napolitan. And my mother, uh, however, was, was a bunch of, uh, of other things. She was Scottish and English and German and Native American. But if you look at my brother and I, so there's only my brother and I in the family. My brother is very fair-complected. In fact, he actually has red hair, but he's very fair-complected. And I'm the one with the darker hair, uh, very olive skin. So I take after more of the, uh, the Southern Italian, Middle Italian characteristics.
0: <laughs> but red hair, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, Italians have, I mean, there's up to, I guess you go up north. Correct. I, I've never yeah, that's seen yeah really. That's where I've heard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think north you go up, you got, you got right. more red hair, yeah. But Howard, all, all right, so okay, you've passed the first test. We're going to let you onto the show now. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about you. You're, are you from Pittsburgh
3: originally? So I'm a born and raised Clareton boy, yep.
0: All right, and you are uh, obviously in the entertainment business. So let's kind of go back in time. Let's start off there. Let's start off with a young Howard. We always like to get to know our guests. People are listening sure. and they're telling us, who, got, well, who who is this guy? And I'm going, I don't know either. So let's get to know him. Howard. Um, that's let's, a nice compliment. We know who you are, Howard. We know, that's right. you got a website. You're somebody. Yeah. Um, because we know they'll just give those to anybody, Howard. Believe me. Now, please go mm-hmm. out. By the way, for the folks listening, that's uh, go out check it out: ItalianImpactWeekly dot Italian. Impact <laughs> Italian <laughs> that's our website. So, Howard, let's talk about. First of all, you started off as a professional break dancer in the eighty. Does that mean that when you were young, you kind of had the entertainment bug?
3: So not necessarily the entertainment bug, but it, it, it actually goes one step further back. So, I was really big into skateboarding when I was in high school. So, fast forward. Part of breakdancing was gymnastics and martial arts and ballet and, you know, uh, what, what some back then would have considered legitimate dance. So when you combine all these arts, skateboarding kind of like fell into it. So it wasn't really the entertainment, but I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm a bit of an attention hog. And then I found out I could do this and people were like, Oh, that's really cool. Can you come do that here? Can you come do that there? And before you know it, there was a bunch of friends and I got together, and we were like, "Sure, we can do that."
0: Wait, do what? Were you skateboarding, ballet dancing, break dancing, no? Or we beatboxing? were we were break
3: dancing. Oh, we were okay. break dancing. A couple of the guys actually could beatbox. Some of us were skateboarders who would come in, you know, more of the break dance look, you know, costume or vibe, and started combining all this stuff. So one of the guys literally would go across stage on a skateboard on his hands, Okay. you know? And so we were like one of the, we were one of these, you know, groups of guys that got together and just started combining all these disciplines that each one of us brought to the table. And I think at one point we had probably 10 or 12 guys all working together. And like the age of like, probably, I think the youngest guy in the crew was like 10 and the oldest was like 21.
0: So this totally really was like cool. from the movie Breaking.
3: And- oh, it very much was. Yeah, because that was just it. You could get guys literally from your neighborhood and, you know, get together. And, and everybody was learning from each other and going, oh, check, check this out. I, you, know, oh, I had, you know, I studied martial arts. Try this. In martial arts, we did this. And all of a sudden, you pick up something from it. And it was a way of sharing each, you know, you know, getting together and doing stuff, you know, with a bunch of friends and just, you know,
1: trading off tricks. Two-part question when you announced to the world, to your world, that you wanted to go pro using a sports uh, metaphor. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the reaction from your parents, your friends? Was it supportive? And, and again, <laughs> when, how old were you when you did say, like for me, I was eight years old when I said I wanted to do what I'm doing and pro baseball. When was it for you that you wanted to do it and what was the reaction?
3: So it wasn't that I, it, 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 I didn't start out saying I was going to do it. It became one of these things that somebody literally came to us and said, hey, we hear you guys break dance. Yeah, there's this community day. Why don't you guys come do 30 minutes at this community day? And my buddies and I looked at each other and went, "Uh," and they said, hey, guess what? We'll give you this much money. Sure. (laughs) We had no idea what we were doing. We had no act. We had no. There was no coordination of, of you do this, you do this, you do. No, we were just a bunch of kids going, sure. And I was probably late, te- late teens, early 20s, mm-hmm. and it just kind of happened. So here's the super short version of how this rolls out. So I went from working in a grocery store to working for a, a major food producer as a sales guy. And I started again, doing a couple of gigs here and a couple of gigs there, and it was nothing major. My parents were like, "Meh, that's fine. You you know, you got paid a couple bucks for doing a little something extra. Great. This major food company has a major layoff mm. in the early 90s, and I am out of work. And somebody calls me and said, hey, we hear you do this stuff kind of like mime, movement, breakdance thing. And I said, yeah. And they said, we want you to come to this event. Well, here I am a trained sales guy. What am I selling? A product. What's the product? Me. Right. Okay. And it just kind of took off. And this is, I've said this ever since I started, God gives everybody a gift. And I didn't realize this was mine until the next thing, you know, people are calling me saying, we heard you were at this event. We want you to come do our event. So I combined the the sales training of this major food company to selling a product, which I believed in, and it was me. And the next thing you know, it just took off.
0: Howard, I'm not going to lie. If God's gift to me was mine, I'd be kind of upset. But... (laughs) <laughs> now we're Wait just me. ragging. This you know one what? One because one I one. know that you yeah. by the way, Howard, I I know enough I I know enough about you that I know you've got a good sense of humor, so I hope I hope you're gonna beat the crap out of me outside the studio. <laughs> but I, I,
1: what was the competition as you were climbing the ladder to, to make a living out of this?
3: There wasn't a whole lot of guys
1: doing what
3: I did and especially coming up the way that I did. Mm-hmm. So You had mentioned earlier about the International Brotherhood of Magicians. So a lot of people who got involved it, and it's nothing more than a fraternal organization. It's just people promoting the art of magic. And there's actually another called the Society of American Magicians, which Harry Houdini was actually the first president. So a lot of young people. So one of you guys said you started doing what you did at like eight years old.
1: Yeah, it was me, Claudio. Yeah. Uh,
3: Right, Claudio. So you start you start playing baseball at like eight years old because it becomes a passion. And as, like I said, it's a gift. Well, I didn't come up that route. I had no idea what I was doing. So when I got around other performers, they were like, oh, well, what kind of an act do you have? Uh, I don't know. I don't even know about an act. I know nothing about this. Nobody in my family had ever in this arena at all whatsoever of entertainment. I, I grew up with a father who was in the, a grocery store manager and a mother who was a bank teller. My, my family's all blue-collar, hardworking people. Entertainment was something you saw on television. If you're really fortunate, you got to go to a theater and see it live. But that was really rare. And all of a sudden, it was one of those things I had nobody really to follow until I was in the business, probably 10 years. And then I started getting around to these other performers saying, you look like you're passionate, you look like you're really invested in this, I'm gonna show you something, I'm gonna give you a little history. And then it really started.
0: Well, I was going say, and you know what, you, you kind of said something interesting. I, I know, there are a lot of comedians, there are a lot of performers out there, I don't know if there's a lot of mime people out there, I'm, of course I'm kidding you on that one, but there's a lot of people mm-hmm. that do these different things, and the, and the reality though is that, you, you know, you said something, just doing it is one thing, even if you're good at it, you gotta do something that distinguishes you from the other ones. What, would you say distinguishes you from the others and you do a lot of things in entertainment. Like you're, you like you said, you're a professional performer. You do a lot. You do magician. Mm-hmm. You know, you're a comedian. You know, you're, well, you, I'm sure you're not, well, you might be breakdance. Maybe you're in that kind of shape, but the point was you're doing a lot of things, but mm-hmm. there's gotta be something that makes you unique. And people go, Oh, you should see this guy. He does that. I mean, we can all go back to those eighties comedians, which probably not get away with now and think of their acts and still be able to quote them and say, Oh, he said this, remember that time this comedian, like okay, Sam yep. Kennison was known for this. What are you yep. known for?
3: So, so here's kind of the, the, one of the craziest things. And I'll go all the way back to the days of my break dancing. This was one of the things, and when I say what I'm about to say, some people may go, oh, but it's the truth. It's just what it is. The guys I hung out with were all white guys. And that was almost a selling <gasps> point. People would oh. go, wait, 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 right? You got eight white guys who can break dance? I want to see that. Well, here's the crazy part. I'm over. I'm six and a half foot tall. I'm like six four, six five, and people are going, hey, "That's a big dude. That's a big guy that can skateboard. That's a big guy that Look can at him break do dance. the worm."
1: Aww. Right.
3: You might talk. <laughs> right. And so when, when learning, learning all the physicality of breakdancing and then getting some people pulling me into classes of mime and movement kind of like gave me some discipline to what I was doing, gave me some formality to what I was doing, gave me some depth to what I was doing. All of a sudden people were like, you're going to see this guy work. This is wild. This guy does some really crazy stuff. And I would get very physical. So it was stuff like, uh, I, I remember growing up watching, Harpo Marx and Dick Van Dyke and Red Skelton and Art Carney and the physicality those guys had. And again, me being a really tall guy,
1: that physicality looks just that much bigger. That was one of my questions who inspired you, but you, you already hit that. Um, now how steady, if you don't mind me asking, has, was the work then and even now? It goes through phases
3: and, and the economy has a lot to do with it. And here's the simple of it. When I was first starting out, I worked quite a bit, but I was working for like, as the joke goes, I was working for peanuts. I mean, I was just, I would taking a gig anywhere I could get a gig and I wasn't really making a living at it. In fact, it was actually, you know, back in the day, it was costing me money because I was driving all over creation, trying to just work. But what I didn't realize is I built up all this, I built up all this stuff uh, in the business, little bits of business, some performers call it little nuances that start to add to your performance. And then as I started to climb in the business, again, the economy becomes that thing of, you know, uh, corporations would have an event back in the day when corporations would throw a big holiday party that I was working a lot of those. I did a lot of corporate performances and presentations. And then somebody saw me working somewhere and, uh, I used to also have a very, very large Jewish clientele. I used to do a lot of bar and bat mitzvahs. And th- the term is called a tumbler, T-U-M-M-E-L-R. uh T-U-M-M-E-L-R, L-R-E, I'm sorry. A Tumblr is kind of like the cruise director of the camps up in the Borscht Belt. So he was the cruise director. He would dance with the older ladies. He would, he would be able to entertain here and do this and tell some jokes and play some music. Well, somebody called me that, and I started doing tons and tons and tons of bar and bat mitzvahs. They were a blast, but I'm not Jewish, and the, and, Would and you the like to Jewish be- client. Well, and the Jewish clientele started saying, "Wait a minute, we want you to do a conservative bar mitzvah." Oh, uh, okay. What does that mean? Well, there's rules and regulations. Would you like to learn? Absolutely. And then I started doing Orthodox. Well, there's even more rules and more regulations. And I started doing those. Does it change Does it change your
0: routine, though? I mean... Yes, very, okay. much, so. Me
3: very much so. Give me an example. Give me an
0: example of something that's more traditional, like something you could do with a less traditional or less conservative or more conservative.
3: Okay, so if I do a reformed bar mitzvah, I can do some coin tricks. I can do a trick where I'm writing something or a pen or a piece of paper. But in Orthodox culture... You're not allowed to do that because if you do coin tricks, that's currency that is considered to be doing business and you're not to do business on the Sabbath. So I started to learn protocol. Well, then the word went out through the Jewish community of saying, wait a minute, this guy knows protocol. We don't have to tell him. We don't have to worry about him violating protocol. We can bring him in and entertain. And he knows all the rules. The other rule is you're not allowed to make contact with somebody over the age of 12 of the opposite sex. So for instance, I could not walk in and shake hands with uh, a teenager or an adult woman because that's a violation of protocol. Well, these clientele knew that I knew that protocol. So it was like, bring him in. He knows what he's allowed to do, uh, what not to do. And I tell people this all the time, I am so blessed to be able to cross all these different cultures over the years. So I've worked with Jewish clients, I've worked with Muslim clients, I've worked with Christian clients. I've worked I've worked in I've worked in um, I've worked internationally, so like I worked in China. That's that's awesome. you, Now this is magi- so this is
0: this is the again because you do a lot of different entertainment. You're talking about the 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 magician, Howard the magician.
3: This is the mind, this is the the silent physical comic mime magician. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: Okay, give me a silent joke on the air. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you see I can do this. Funny man, this funny is, man. I think he's trying he's
1: auditioning for you. No. I've been called right, a clown
0: right, enough to know that I'm a I'm a
1: clown. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, the toughest audience for me whenever I spoke was at a software company. It was like crickets. Uh, But then they livened up. And then the second toughest was a group that I knew ever since I was a little kid. And that was hard for me. What was the Mm -hmm. toughest audience you ever had to perform in front of and why?
3: This goes back. um, There's a little village way up north, up by Kane, up by the Kinzu Bridge, a little village called Ludlow. Are you in Pennsylvania? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. You think I grew up here
0: or something. I don't know these places.
3: So Kinzu is way up on the New York, uh, above Bradford, up near Bradford, by the New York border. So I'm working this little village of Ludlow, and I'm doing a little festival one time. This was a long, long, long time ago, and there is probably 70 percent Amish in the audience, and they don't move. Tough crowd. (laughs) Amish. They are just sitting there staring at me, and I'm doing everything, and I'm doing. It's all physical. It's all physical stuff. It's all pratfalls and and juggling and magic, blah, 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 blah. blah, Not saying anything. And I'm, I'm dying. I'm thinking these people are not, this is terrible. This is horrible. I get done. And there must've been 15 of them that walked back, shook my hand and told me how much fun they had watching the show. (laughs) Okay. And I was stunned because I, I literally looked at him. I was like, what show did you watch?
0: (laughs) Did it turn out that they weren't allowed to laugh or something? I'm guessing there was it's something It's just to not that. part of
3: their culture. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Well. So they're very reserved. They're very quiet. They sit there, and to them, applause, laughter is rude.
0: It's the work of the devil.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. Being facetious, but I believe that that's some weird. <laughs> All right. Howard, listen, we're going to take a quick little break, and we're going to have you back, and we're going to—we're glad to insult you some more, and— uh You know, we'll hopefully have a little more fun with this. But uh, let's take a quick little break for our uh, folks that are paying for our airtime.
1: If you missed our Italian Impact Weekly show on Thursdays from 5 to 6 on WKHB Radio, 620 AM, 102.1 FM, you can catch the archives on www.italianimpactweekly.com. We've had such great guests as Mario Andretti, Vince Ferragamo, Chris Corciani, And next week, we're going to have another special guest. He is the subject of the movie Invincible, former Philadelphia Eagle, Vince Papali. So that'll be a great Uh, Interview for sure. Uh, Don't forget about my show, The Claudio Relsano Show. You can listen to it on ClaudioRelsano.com. Also, uh, Steve and I have another show, Talking Business and Life with Claudio Relsano and Steve Mancini. You can check that show out, that podcast, at www.crsmmedia.com. Also, uh, under the umbrella of Empire Media Ventures, if you are looking to host a podcast, please get in touch with us. Uh, you can send it to questions at italianimpactweekly.com or at my website, my email, Relsano 16 msncom We would love to help you. And also uh, my book, Lead from the Heart Up, Not the Neck Up, How to Create a Positive Warning Culture on the Field and in the Office. You can get that at Barnesnoble.com, amazon.com, at my website, com, and the Barnes and & Noble in and Robinson Township. we we'll are right back with our very special guest. Say it. Howard Benkone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All
0: right. Thanks to Greater Pittsburgh Travel. For any of your travel needs, let Tom and the team at Greater Pittsburgh Travel know and they'll take care of you. For more information, call 412-331-2244 or visit their website at www.greaterpittsburghtravel.com. For all of your plumbing needs, be sure to try Pellucci Plumbing. Nick and the team have decades of experience and will get you back up and running. For more information, call Pellucci Plumbing at 412-782-5050. And we want to thank the Calabria Club of Pittsburgh. If you're interested in learning more, you can find their contact information on Facebook at Calabria Club of Pittsburgh. Again, thanks, Domenica and the team at the Calabria Club of Pittsburgh for your support. And we want to thank La Scuola d'Italia Galileo Galilei, the only nonprofit school in Pittsburgh endorsed by the Italian consulate. If you're interested in learning Italian or have your children being immersed in the Italian culture and language, be sure to give them a call at 412-404-7070. And that's La Scuola d'Italia Galileo Galilei. All right. Welcome back, folks. And, uh, Howard, I want to I wanna ask you a question because you've opened for some uh, interesting acts here. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, for the folks who are just tuning in, we have Howard Rencon, He is a world-class performer. He's performed in a lot of venues. He's got different talents, um, everything from... Uh, I believe, Howard, that you're probably still young enough to go out there and break dance, but you're obviously <laughs> mime, comedian. you've done a lot of stuff. Um, but you've opened up for some very interesting folks and some big names. Robin Williams is one. Tracy Lawrence is another. Buckwheat Zydeco, I remember that one. Jerry Vale, a lot of folks you've opened up for. Let me ask you a question. I mean, I can look at the list, but is there any one of those opening acts that, you, that really stood out in your mind, like, I remember that night and that was either really good or maybe even really bad
3: you know what I, I appreciate that question and, and this is a really simple answer buckwheat side go, far outdid all of them and here's why i got to open up with for him at a mardi gras festival that they held at station square back in the very early 90s and my family my parents and my brother were really into buckwheat they loved his music and somehow some way i end up with this gig and i'm invited to open for him so i opened the show and they said hey you 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 seem like you're kind of funny do you mind breaking character and introing buckwheat i went sure so i stood up there and i told a couple of jokes and they went okay we watched the whole show when we got done I, went, I walked over to the trailer, and I asked one of the guys, I said, hey, my family's here. Is there any chance of re, of, of meeting Stanley? And so Buckwheat, his real name was Stanley Dural Jr. And the guy said, hold on a second. And he goes in the trailer, and the door blows open, and, and he's standing there. Stanley is standing there, Buckwheat. And he said, oh, you just got it open for me. Come on in, man. Bring your family in here. We got food. We got food. Have some food. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. All these people came to see him and he could not be more gracious with me. I was just some guy and I'll never forget it. He had the, he had the most class of anybody i ever opened for.
1: That, you know, I I love hearing that because uh, I've been fortunate enough to meet a lot of, you know, name people. And the reason why I like them is not because they're so great at what they do, they're great at what they do, and they're good people. Because that would have been disappointing mm-hmm. for you, I'm very sure. If he was not a nice guy, and you wouldn't have been telling that story, or maybe you'd have been telling a different story.
3: That's just it. And I tell that to performers all the time. I said, "You're gonna if you if you do this for a living and you make your way in this business and you come across people, I said, look, treat everybody well." I I, I told somebody one time. I said, "I can't go do on stage what I do." Without my crew and the crew is the technicians, the backstage people, the people running around behind the scenes that, that, you know, do stuff, the lighting people, the the sound techs. Those are the people that make us guys look good. And and somebody said to me one time, and I'll never forget this. They said, well, you're one of the stars of the show. They should be taking care of you. I said, "Uh, wrong. I'm just going out there doing what I do. But these people have been here hours before I was here, and they'll be here hours after I'm gone. So, when I worked a tour one time in Central Pennsylvania, uh, the crew took a really, really good care of me. And the next week we came back to do a, the show again in another venue. I brought him a case of beer. I was like, "Look, you guys took really <laughs> good care of me. Thank you."
0: Yeah, going all out, to people. Me, Here's your Keystone Light. Thank you.
3: Well, yeah. <laughs> I tell performers, that, I tell young performers that all the time. I'm like, don't don't think your crew is below you. Not at all, man. I said you're all on the same team, and and you got to take care of them and take care of them well. Because if you do, they have your back.
0: And they're also the ones that'll spit in your lunch. And we have Joe Hale here, our engineer here, at Robert Morris University, <laughs> and uh, we try and take care of Joe by. Seeing if we can't crank up the old workload on them, but uh, otherwise I don't make I don't let them prepare my lunch for me, so it's very simple. <laughs> I also want to talk about your juggling partners because you have a few interesting ones on your website. By the way, your your website, really quickly, tell everyone your website, and then I'm going to ask you about your juggling partners.
3: So it's real simple. It is HowardMincone.com, and the last name is spelled M-I-N-C-O-N-E.
0: And who's that? No, I'm just kidding. Thanks, Howard. But uh, we're going to talk about your juggling partners now. Um, you sure. had Ralph Nader on there who apparently dropped his uh, campaign. But There it is. Uh, mm-hmm. But you also had a few, uh, uh, well, people from Pittsburgh would know. The problem now is young kids, they don't know who these people are. Because you had Lynn Swan on there, Frank O'Hara. Well, Pittsburghers will know who yeah. Lynn Swan is. Pittsburghers will know, you know, who uh, Lynn Swan is. Pittsburghers will know, who, you know, who Hunch Il- Il- Ilkin is. Uh, Frank O'Hara, excuse me. Uh, and anyone over forty will remember who John Cusack is, because I still remember the movie Better Off Dead. Frankly, I think that's one of his best movies. But mm-hmm. uh, so, what was the? Were you just? It shows that they were also at, like maybe speaking or something. Like how does how does this
3: happen? So the football players, I happened to be working events that they were there and they came up and were like, oh, this is really cool. And, and I, I kind of gestured to them, you know, In mine? and they were like, yep, yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, Ralph Nader, I was at a trade show and Ralph Nader was a speaker and he was walking through the trade show and somebody looked at him and said, hey, Ralph. You're good with numbers. Can you juggle? And I handed him my juggling balls, and he th- threw them back and forth to me. So he, he, he juggled, but not by himself. He juggled with me, so thus the partner. And like three weeks later is when he announced his candidacy for president. John Cusack It was the
0: mime was, that put him over the edge. Good for you, exactly. buddy.
3: Exactly. John Cusack was filming a movie in Pittsburgh a very long time ago in the old Pittsburgh airport. So that's 30-plus years ago. And I happened to have, they were in one of the, um, the gate, the, the ends of the gates. And I was juggling kind of off where the extras were being held in the extras holding area. And I'm standing there with my back to the, to the crowd of people. Cause I was over in a corner and I hear somebody say, Hey, can you steal? That's a juggling term, which means I'm standing there juggling and they will take one at a time off of me and start to juggle. And then I take them back off. And the juggling pattern never stops. And I turned around, and it was John Cusack standing with Debbie Mazer. And I kind of went, uh, sure. And we started passing juggling balls back and forth, and it just took off. And it was such a hoot. He was nice enough to take a picture with me and all that cool stuff.
1: Let me ask you this. Uh, <laughs> how have you improved over the years? I'm sure we all want to do better than – except for Steve. <laughs> we all want to do better. How have you improved?
3: I have spent time with the elders of the entertainment business, so I have taken the time to sit down with guys that performed on The Tonight Show, guys that performed on The Ed Sullivan Show. There is a juggler, this is really cool because this is the Italian show, I have to tell you this cool story. Sure. So there is a juggler that lives in Churchill and people in Churchill would have known him to be a teacher in Churchill High School. Back in the day, he taught calligraphy and art. Prior to him being a school teacher, though, he was a world-class juggler. Mm. But because it was the 50s, he couldn't get a gig using his real name. So he changed his name to Bobby Jewel, J-U-L-E. He toured all over the world. He toured and performed in Havana pre Castro he toured in South America he toured in Europe in Asia he toured with he toured with Edith Piaf in France for like a year and she was the voice of, of France for years if you hear traditional French music that's her singing oh,
0: I actually did that name actually did ring a bell to
3: me right he told a wonderful story about performing one time he goes into a nightclub and he hands his sheet music to, the, to, to somebody, and he says, who, who do I hand my sheet music to? And they said, the drummer. Okay. So he goes to hand his mu- music to the drummer, and the drummer stands up and said, hi, I'm Gene Krupa. I love jugglers. Hmm. <laughs> and I said, yeah. you, you got to work with Gene Krupa? He said, oh, yeah, he was great. Freaked me out. Wow. Just freaked me out. So I've spent time sitting and talking with him, and that's how I've gotten better because guys like him have said, I want to put, give you this. Mm-hmm. I want to give you that. And they show you these jewels of just stuff in the business. So, you know, you, you played baseball and, and the, you, the old timers can give you a, 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 a trick, a, a subtle thing.
1: No doubt. That
3: completely changes your game. And Great you're like, point. oh, yep. I, I never knew that as a speaker. Or, or, or as an announcer, you learn certain nuances of, of how to breathe when you're on the air or, or things to do and things to, not to do, mm-hmm. how to improvise. And all of a sudden, like this whole other world opens up and you go, wow. So these old timers taught me stuff, amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. There's a guy in Ohio, another, another Italian guy, interestingly enough, he was the nephew of Joe Flynn who was Captain Ledbonham on McHale's Navy.
0: Oh, I do remember. See, I used to watch those shows when I was a kid. I actually remember that. Oh, God, Was yes. Ernest Borgnine?
3: So Ernest Borgnine yep. was was uh, Commander McHale. Yep. Absolutely. And um, 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 Carl Ballantyne. Carl Ballantyne was a legendary mu- magician who was Gruber on that show. And this guy named Joe Sullivan over in Youngstown, Ohio, hung. Uh, he was the nephew of um lead bottom of joe flynn and then he also got to work with carl Ballantyne. but this guy like i said so guys like that have taught me tons just tons of stuff
0: so so how are you i, I love the fact that we can have a little fun this, it's been actually been a very fun interview for me because uh, awesome. you know i i think the one thing i think you know I'll, I'll get a little serious a little philosophical i think the one thing the problem nowadays is people can't laugh at themselves anymore and, you know, there's Agreed. always a challenge of like, you know, I mean, you're an entertainment and like, without entertainers, without, you know, everything from comedians. I mean, we're, we're kind of laugh like ah, oh, you're a juggler of mine. But, you know, the truth of the matter is, is without that entertainment and I, the smiles you probably bring to people, you know, nobody knows what's going through someone. So when you're up there on stage and you do something and, and, and someone smiles, you don't understand. And maybe you do get it because you've been doing this for a long time but you are impacting someone's life for the better. You're giving them a moment in life where they can feel good. They can relax. They can laugh. They can just smile. They can say, wow, that was neat. And so, you know, while, while I joke you at the same time, I want you, to, mm-hmm. you know, kid you that, that I appreciate. That's why I wanted to have you on the show. But uh, but I also want to pick up on something else you said. You know, sure. it's like every, every profession gets better if – because the older generation teaches the newer generation and the newer generation will get older and they will learn stuff and then they will teach the next generation. I have a, there are a lot of people out there, especially in, in, in the, you know, the corporate world that think, I don't want to teach anyone what I do because then you won't need me. But I, I think when you teach someone, there's two things to that. One, knowledge is only means something if it's shared, you have no knowledge mm-hmm. if you don't share mm-hmm. it. And two, mm-hmm. I think that you know, you're you know, you take with the things that you're learning now. You're you're becoming your own actor, becoming your own person. You're looking at these other people. You talk to these other people. You gain an experience, and then you're going to take it to the next to the next generation. And and like you said, you always got to remember people that are supporting you because none of these people. Get there by themselves. So, nor does that show go on. You know, and, and kind of a final thought for you to kind of you know comment on. You know, a lot of these quote comedians, especially these late night comedians, they're not doing their own acts. They're just reading a script. Someone's writing it for them. And a mm-hmm. lot of times mm-hmm. now, you know, let's be very blunt. There's so much slant to these things. There's so, it's just political. It's dry. Mm-hmm. It's like I got to be careful what I say. You know, you know they got to walk this fine line. But, uh, you know, you being, you know, you're not an amateur because you get paid. When you get paid to do something, that makes you a professional. But, no, Correct. you may not be Robert Williams, but you are a professional performer. And, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of want, want your thoughts on that. And then ask you, how does this generation, this new age, you know, how does that change your routine? Does it change your routine?
3: You know, it's interesting you say that. And I have to go back real quick on this, you know, being a, being a pro and in, in doing this pro, like you said, means nothing more than you're being paid for it. I'm mature. I'm mature. It translates to for the love of the art. Right. So it doesn't make you any better at just saying somebody's paying the bills by doing it this way. And I can tell you this, that if it wasn't for my wife and my kids and their support, I, a lot of what I've been able to do and a lot of places I've been able to go couldn't happen. I have an amazing wife and, and incredibly supportive daughters that are going, no, dad, we're proud of what you do, which is just mind blowing because a lot of the guys in my business, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, my, my I lost my family because I, I, I dove so deep into this and, you know, left them behind and this, that and the other thing. And I'm like, look, man, I know I know full so well if it was not for the love and support of my wife and my kids, you know, I'd be packing back somewhere in a grocery store. So you know that said it it's one of those things that how does it impact my 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 career how does it how does the new generation impact me i I think they're so short sighted and they're so busy looking for the offense
0: yes they're look they, they want to the be lap. offended Howard they want to be right. offended
3: and that's the way they get the, that's the way they get their attention right so I'm not happy till you're not happy right correct and I had somebody come up to me one time, and they said, uh, you know, well, some of the jokes you make in your stand-up act, um, aren't you a little uh, concerned about those? So here's the jokes. I can tell them on your ear, and they're absolutely clean. The joke is I have what some people call is ADD, attention deficit disorder. Ha. Anybody that knows me, anybody that's around me goes, "Uh, yeah. So when I speak in a school, I tell students I have ADD. And I said, there's a loving gesture to my wife. I said, I offered to go to the doctors to have it checked because you can have ADD diagnosed. The problem is I sat there for a minute and a half and got up and left. I forgot while I was there. <laughs> and students look at me going, oh, he gets it. He understands. Yes, but the I teachers, do.
0: the teachers are the ones that go, you said ADD, and it wasn't out of context. And you know what? We're just going to have right. to cancel you.
3: And they're, they're, the teachers can't say it, and they're looking going, oh, my God, he's talking about having ADD. That's a joke, people. I do have a short You know, AD, ADD
0: is not a joke, sir. <laughs> 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 right? That, that's exactly what it comes down to. Right. <laughs> but so I disagree. Again, go joke. back to the 80s when and, and earlier. Go listen to some early Rodney Dangerfield. Holy right. cow. He would he, well, Not only would he be canceled today, they'd probably hang him in public because of what he said.
3: Well, that's just it. People say to me all the time, because my act, my stand-up act, my, my stand-up comedy act is clean. I do that intentionally. And they said, oh, that's wonderful. And we're really offended by people like Richard Pryor and Rodney Dangerfield and all that stuff. Then Don't, don't listen.
0: listen. Thank you. But now, I have I to something. listen because I, I can't be offended unless I listen, Howard.
3: Right. I knew a comic, <laughs> and, and I can't remember the guy's name, but I knew a comic um, doing an interview one time on the radio, and he said... Somebody showed up at his show, bought a ticket to his show, and then started yelling at him from the audience because they were offended. And he stopped his show and he said, you you bought a ticket, right? You, you put, you I'll bought give a ticket you your to money back. Yeah. And he was like, if you know my material, why would you buy a ticket if you know my stuff
0: is uh, You know, I, I think there should be a warning that says, if you are going to be offended, you are not allowed to come. Warning, you oh, may be oh, offended. Oh. Do not come.
3: Steve, I'll tell you this. This is an absolute true story. I worked for Carnival Cruise Lines. And one of the comics and I used to do the the, the, the show that was at like 9 o'clock at night. So we would do a show. At, I did a half hour. He did a half an hour. Then he would come back and do the midnight show. In the program that was put in your cabin every morning, it said, adults only adult humor 18 and above he comes out one night and there is like three or four or five kids that are under the age of like 12 sitting in the front row this is at midnight on a cruise ship and he said where are your parents we don't know
0: at the casino on the fourth deck
3: Right. Wait, you're in an adult only show. Alright,
0: kids, let's teach you some
3: new words. Right. And then another show another show, somebody got mad, screamed at the comic and got up and left, and he said, Did you not read the carnival papers? Do you know We're that it's International adult Waters? <laughs> yep. Yep. You so can't cancel my, me out here. My stuff is Sometimes uh, self-deprecating because I make fun of myself. I make fun of the fact that, um, you know, my life – and if people go, I'm offended, I'm going, "Uh, excuse me. That was me. I was talking about (laughs) –
0: and then you get pissed off and cancel yourself. I don't blame you, Howard. Howard, listen, uh, I appreciate right. it, man. But listen, we got to go. But uh, first, before we do go, uh, I want to thank you again very much for being a guest on the show. I think you're fantastic. What an honor. And I appreciate Thanks. you being
1: on here. Website address.
0: Yep. I'm going to get to it. So we definitely want your website address because we want folks, how can they get a hold of you if they're interested in hiring you, booking you for an event, and something? Just go see some of your old material. Um, where can they go sure. learn more about you?
3: So, again, the website is Howard mincone.com and once again that last name is spelled M-I-N-C-O-N-E guys thank you so much for having me on this has been truly an honor this was wonderful I lo- really really enjoyed it you were great Howard thank you very much Appreciate Appreciate
0: Howard. It. And folks we're going to be thanks. right back with uh, Hank Eduardo and again thanks Howard and go out to his website at www.howardmincone.com howardmincone.com hope you enjoy that and we'll be right back and we want to thank La Scuola d'Italia Galileo Galilei, the only nonprofit school in Pittsburgh endorsed by the Italian consulate. If you're interested in learning Italian or have your children being immersed in the Italian culture and language, be sure to give them a call at 412 404 7070. That's La Scuola d'Italia Galileo Galilei. All right, folks, welcome back. And we have with us the, I'm going to call him the legendary, Hank Eduardo from the Pittsburgh area. I've known Hank since I was probably six years old. I am still best friends with his son, Brian. Brian, it's your shout out, so shut up. Um, But uh, Hank is an amazing performer. We're kind of (laughs) keeping with our performer theme. And uh, in fact, the folks that are listening, Hank provides the music. So when you hear the intro and the intro music, that is Hank providing that. But recently, Hank and I had a chance to walk in the Columbus Day Parade, and Hank was leading it off. Um, He was in front of the van. And if you look closely at the picture of him, you can look in the windshield, you can't see me because the sun glares, but I'm the one behind the windshield. Hank, welcome to the show,
2: buddy. Hey, you did a great job, Steve. Nobody could have drove and that
0: van any straighter, buddy.
2: <laughs> for the very first the first ones in the parade. It was fantastic.
0: No, it was good. Um, it was very
2: interesting because when I got home and and took every we took everything off the van, and I uh, made a little run out to my son's house, and when I got in Penn Hills, and when I got back to Bloomfield, the parade was still going on. So shout out to the, all the people that participated in the Columbus Day parade. It was great. Did they, they run out
1: of Italians? <laughs> they. I, I heard it was a very long. I mean, I was in it obviously, so I didn't know how long it was or sure, short. I was told it was a long parade.
2: Yep, yeah, it, was, it was over an hour and a half, I'm wow. sure that's
1: good yeah. Hank, I, want to, I want
0: to ask you a quick, real quick question, kind of introduce the folks, uh, who you are So, again, I've known you for a long time, and I remember when I was a kid going over to your house and seeing all the keyboards there um, I want to talk about somewhere in your, in, your, in your life, you kind of switched over to the accordion And that's kind of become your bread and butter, for lack of better terms What kind of drove you to switch from, I mean, obviously it's a semi-natural
2: fit, but why the accordion? Well, actually, Steve, I started with the accordion. Wow. In 1958, I took lessons from Frank Salpietro on Cedarville Street. Two dollars for a lesson back in 1958. That was a major sacrifice for my parents. You think back in 1958, two dollars is like 20 bucks now. So uh, I started taking accordion lessons, and uh, and that stayed with me in my entire life. And then when I... Uh, got into jazz, I started to uh, try to play electronic keyboards, but that was always just a, a dream of mine, and I stuck with the accordion, but didn't really start playing professionally until I retired from being an engineer, and that was in 2004. And thanks to uh, Sal Patatucci, who had uh, the radio, Italian radio program for 53 years in Pittsburgh, he promoted me into what I am today.
0: I still want to get him on the show at some point. I yeah. wish he would come on the show. Come out of retirement, Sal. Just an interview. Man. I know. Come on, time. buddy.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, now, I was watching a program a couple years ago with Joe Montana, Joe Namath, uh, Jim Kelly, and uh, Dan Marino. And they, the three of them said how they looked up to Joe Namath, how, they, how he inspired them with guys like Bobby Vinton, Perry Como, Dean Martin down the road, uh, Henry Mancini, who inspired you? or Did any of those guys inspire you?
2: Well, I was always into jazz, but as far as the accordion goes, uh, the the major jazz accordion players like Art Van Dam uh, was always a big inspiration for me. And, of course, Myron Florin on the Lawrence Welk Show. I I could, in my teen years, if I told you that I... I waited anxiously for 7 o'clock on Saturday night to watch <laughs> Lawrence Welk. you think I'm crazy. But that was when I would get a chance to see Myron Florin play the accordion for the Lawrence Welk band. And then after he did his thing, then I stopped watching. But, yeah, those kind of professional accordion players were always the, my idols.
0: Okay. Now, Hank, you have a very – now, for folks in Pittsburgh – They've seen you. They've seen you in parades. We've seen you out there in Italian days. You've done a lot of performing. You have a unique costume. I want to talk about the costume you wear. What inspired you to wear that? How'd you pick that one?
2: That's very interesting about that. In 2008, uh, Pittsburgh promoter Ed Traviseri was uh, having the Italian festival at uh, Sandcastle. And he hired me to play at the sandcastle in the food area and he did a promo on kdka for it and he said but do you have to have a a costume of some kind do you have any italian garb you can wear and that's when i created the gondolier outfit i went to uh the uh the store in the strip that sold novelties and i got a, a fake looking uh gondolier type hat and uh I passed myself off as a, a performing gondolier for that KDKA promotion, and it stuck. And after that, now I'm wearing hats from Venice and, and shirts from Venice and sweaters from Venice, and that's my gondolier theme when I perform Italian music. And, of course, now we're in October. I'm wearing Lederhosen everywhere to play for an Oktoberfest party. So I've got in a costume for just about every kind of ethnic theme you can imagine.
1: What was your most memorable event that you ever performed at?
2: Well, it just happened recently. And a couple of months ago, I played all week at the Benidim Theater uh, playing Russian background theme music for uh, a Pittsburgh CLO production of Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812. And that was a fantastic opportunity, not only for a lot of exposure, uh, but to... uh, to do something that was very challenging and different and very rewarding. It was satisfying. It was a very professionally, a very satisfying thing. Very nice. Yeah. Right,
0: who were some of the more uh, like? Who was the most famous person you ever played with?
2: That I that I played a show with. Yeah. Well, I'd say uh, I love to to play in the same performance space as Howard Mincone. I think you. Uh, are going to have him on the show at we some point. We just, just did. Yes, sir. Oh, what a what a fantastic guy. Nice we, guy. We, Loved it. Yeah, w- he's he just lights up the room. But when you're in a when you get to perform with a talent like that, you know you you're doing something right. And um, yeah, Howard's a Howard's a great guy to perform with.
1: What would be your dream event?
2: My dream event.
0: I mean, besides uh, italianimpactweekly.com, ItalianImpactWeekly.com
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. I really enjoy playing uh, background music. Beautiful. My my thing is playing pretty music. Mm. I like to play <laughs> songs that make me feel good. Uh, of course, when you play for parties and things, you have to you have to play what the people want to hear. But I mostly enjoy playing beautiful background music. And the accordion is such. A beautiful instrument it makes a sound like no other and uh, when you can do that for me that's that's my dream I love doing that
0: you know what's funny is, like when we were at the parade and you kind of gone out and you started walking around and you, you, you were, we were sort of doing a comms check because you know people were still lining up and you started playing you know what's funny is people would look at the accordion and go Ah, accordion but you know what once you started playing people started dancing
2: yeah well, that's the thing. See, I'm, I'm a one-man band, and that, that's what uh, really got me to the point where I am now. Uh, I perform uh, solo, and I use backing tracks that I make in my studio. And so it makes me sound like an orchestra, and uh, people are surprised at first when they see and hear that coming out of my accordion, but that's the state of the art now with a digital Accordions.
0: All right, Hank. Again, I want to thank you for being on the show. And now we're gonna have a, we're gonna have another uh, challenge. Since we've been using the music now for eight months, since you like putting music together, maybe you could uh, freshen up the music and give us something new and exciting and original for the listeners. What do you think? You up for the We'd challenge? <laughs> yeah,
2: sounds good. Yep, i like doing that. Awesome. Just, we'll get together. Awesome. Thank Hank. you so much. Listen, I
0: want to thank you again for joining us. And Hank, again, appreciate the music and the fact that you uh, you know, you did that for me known you all my life you're you're awesome guy and i appreciate it and uh you know everything you're doing for us and i've seen the smiles that you've put on people's faces so uh what you do it's like i said to howard you know every we all want to be entertained especially when you look at the world today and you think oh my god it's a mess and just how about you just say you know what take a break from all that just just play and and just keep enjoying life so i want you to know that i appreciate that i know people appreciate that and i want you to keep doing what you're doing all right, Hank, before I let you go, though, uh, what is the website? If people want to book you or hear your music. Where can they go?
2: Yeah, it, my website is edwardomusic.com. That's E-D-W-A-R-D-O music, all one word, edwardomusic.com.
0: All right, edwardomusic.com. And if I'm not mistaken, we've got your link to your uh, Facebook site out there on our Italian Impact Weekly dot com site, so a couple of different ways to get to Hank Eduardo's music. I'm telling you right now, you will enjoy it. You will appreciate him. He's very talented. He has been doing this all of his life, and everybody knows him and everybody recognizes him when they see it. Again, thank you very much, Hank, for uh, joining us today.
2: Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Ha- thanks for having me on. Continue to thanks speak. thanks Thank you. All right. Ciao. ciao. Ciao.
1: And we hope that you enjoyed the show as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you, Howard Mancone. And of course, Hank Eduardo, two great guests and uh, two good guys, especially. That's the thing that kept coming up. Yeah, that, I, and they, they are great at guys. what they do, but they're great people.
0: Again, I've known Hank my whole life. Great guy, and if, tell you, he's one of those people that if he says this is a good person, yeah. they're a good person, and you just kind of take it. Because there are other people say this is a good person, and you say, eh, I think I want to check on that. Just like when people tell me you should go to this restaurant, they've got great food. I'm like, eh, I don't think so. Right. So and how many I people know. have a
1: magician and a juggler on radio? Think about that for a second. They missed the entire show.
0: That's right. (laughs) All right. Again, thank you all for joining us. As always, Claudio, the last word. We appreciate
1: all the listeners. We really do. And as always, thank you, Mom and Pop.